Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Are you looking to wager on all the big games in sports? I've got great news for you. Bet Online, our partners, they continue to get it done as the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Bet the golf, bet the horse racing, bet the early NFL futures and more. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started. That's B-L-E-A-V to get the bonus and get into the action. Bet online where the game starts. Celebrate your whale of a dad with a fudgy the whale ice cream cake from the locally owned and operated Carvel of North Syracuse. Everything at Carvel of North Syracuse is made fresh, so no matter what kind of treat or design your dad wants, they make it happen. Your dad deserves a tasty treat this Father's Day. Soft serve ice cream, milkshake sundaes, shakes, and more. America's favorite since 1934. Carvel. Open seven days a week. Brewerton Road in North Syracuse. Stop in today. Fudgy the whale is waiting for you. Hey guys, this is Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. The ML Sports Platter back with you all over the major platforms. Download, subscribe, leave feedback and a five-star review. We are brought to you by the Al and Angus Pub, Tiny Bubbles Laundromat, Ken's Auto Detailing and our great friends over at Stanley Law Offices. Stanley Law Offices together, they'll work to get you the maximum reward. I have a special guest to bring onto the program, uh, a Bonaventure basketball legend. Um, just a little background. He started five games as a junior, three as a senior. He was named the most improved player his junior year. That was the 74-75 season. And he made his living coming off the bench as a physical presence, a defender, and a rebounder. A lot of great teammates, Hollis to Hagen to Sanders Price and more. And he was Jim Barron's road trip roommate, junior and senior years. Terrific stuff to bring onto the program. St. Bonaventure basketball great, Tom Harrison. Hey, Tom, how are you? Well, thanks, Mike. I really appreciate the, the opportunity to talk to you about Bonaventure basketball. So during your day, um, you obviously played on some awesome teams at Bonnie, you know, in the 70s and all that. Um, Let's start, first of all, with with what made you decide on St. Bonaventure? Well, interestingly enough, I was a uh, Bonaventure fan when I was in high school. And uh, when uh, they came knocking on my door, I was thrilled. So uh, it uh, went for a visit, and uh, uh, my mother said when I got off the plane, she said, uh, I, I knew you were going there by the look on your face. So that was... <laughs> Yeah, that usually happens with us. Um, what? Wh- when did you feel like you were at the height of your Bonner career? You know, playing wise. Um, my uh, my best year was my junior year. Uh, the uh, the year I won the Most Improved Player uh, award. Uh, the uh, I got to start five games that year and, and was basically a six man. Uh, the uh, my senior year was marred by an illness, and uh, that I contracted over Christmas break and uh, never recovered and even uh, got to the point where I wasn't even making it to class and I had to make a decision to either graduate or 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 not so I missed about the last five games of the season because I just I just couldn't couldn't physically do it anymore so uh, unfortunately you know sometimes it's injury sometimes it's illness but that uh and I, and I started my uh, senior year uh, the same way I did junior year. I started a few games early in the year, 
and uh, I was basically playing the six man role or seventh man, whatever. I was in the rotation, and and then I got ill, and since my game was relied on being physical, I uh, I lost about twenty pounds, and you're no longer physical when you're so. Uh, my junior year, uh, that would be the 74-75 season, was uh, my best year, and uh, uh, it, it was a good year for us. We started off slow because we lost uh, Glenn Price, and uh, Billy Moore had transferred, uh, so uh, we had some guys playing that were not used to playing as much and not relying on the rules. Uh, that was when uh, uh, Hagen and, and Sanders were breaking in, and... Uh, but we got better as the season progressed, and uh, we ended up getting top 20 votes, uh, you know, at the end of the year, even though we were only a game or two above 500. So it was how we finished, and uh, so that was that was a great year uh, for for me personally, and and uh, also I thought it was a great year for us since we we improved as the year progressed, you know. So Tom Harrison, our guest here on the ML Sports Platter Bonaventure Basketball, great. Um, what, what did you learn? What have you learned? I guess, cause you, I guess you never stop learning. It's only a few years that you play, but then, you know, the life lessons come on, you know, you get older, you appreciate things more. The friendships get, you know, even stronger. Jim Sadlin, what, what have you learned from Jimmy over the years? I, I just think he's one of the terrific people out there. Well, Sadlin was my, uh, my freshman coach. I played freshman ball. My, my freshman year was the first year freshmen were eligible to play varsity after a lot of years where they weren't and uh the uh tim flanagan who uh started off great gangbusters but his knees gave out later on in his career he was he was playing mostly varsity but uh the rest of us were playing playing freshman ball and then uh, uh larry weesey uh, retired as a coach and stayed on as athletic director and uh uh the uh, uh the you know, and then, then uh, Sadlin was the head coach. So I played for Sadlin all four years, and uh, he he always remained calm. Uh, he never – he wasn't a, a yeller or a screamer. Uh, he remained calm. Uh, and so uh, that allowed him to put up with uh, uh, some of our <laughs> – some of our antics that, uh, you know, young men have. And, uh, um, and uh, of course uh, – Billy Calbaugh was an assistant coach, another, you know, Bonaventure great. And, uh, uh, he, uh, he also was very calm. And of course, Bob Sasson was the other assistant and coach Sasson was just a fun guy. He was just, uh, he just enjoyed being around Bonaventure basketball and Bonaventure players. So, uh, it was a, it was a little different from my high school days, you know, where I was getting yelled at. <laughs> so that, that, uh, that was that was one of the things that uh, I learned from him. I want to go through a few players, some teammates that you had, mm-hmm. and just describing, you know, their game, their growth, your relationship with them, uh, when you first laid eyes on them. However, you want to 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 go with it. Let's start with Essie Hollis. Well, Essie, uh, of course, was a year behind me, and uh, um, he showed up extremely athletic. Uh, super nice guy, just super nice guy. And uh, I remember his first game in varsity. I think if I'm remembering right, he got seven. He had 17 points, but uh, uh, he was impressive right off the bat. Uh, there was nothing uh, about Essie that uh, that you 
couldn't rely on as a person, as a teammate. Uh, he was fun in the locker room. Uh, and uh, he, uh, he, I actually have a funny story about Essie, uh, if you don't mind me telling Sure, me. please do. Uh, the, the uh, um, you know, we played, in, well, when Essie was a senior, dunking was a lot back in college basketball. But when, you know, I played through high school and college, dunking was not allowed. Well, my junior year, Essie, sophomore year, uh, we were playing Syracuse for the in that uh, ECAC tournament that the winner went into the NCAs. Well, you know, even though we lost to them, and I think it was overtime earlier in that that season, the uh, the at our place uh, they were beating us pretty decent, and I was at the end. It was the end of the game, and I was frustrated, and I pointed for an alley oop at the buzzer, and Tim Flanagan threw me one, and I. Just out of frustration, I dunked it. Uh, the ref started laughing and counted it. I was like, oh, thank you. Uh, but anyway, so then we're playing next year, my senior season as a junior at St. Francis, PA. We were a little bit sluggish that game. Sometimes that happens. And uh, uh, we ended up winning. But it was funny because there was a, a shot was taken on our offensive end. I was on the bench at the time. And Essie a bunch of arms went up over the rim. You know, you could hardly see what was going on. And suddenly the ball goes flying through the net and slams off the floor and the rim is shaking. Clearly somebody dunked it. Well, Essie comes running down the court and angles over towards the, towards the, 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 the bench and says, me and you, Tommy, me and you, dunk club, dunk club. And I started laughing and I said, be quiet and go play defense. You know, <laughs> but he uh, he he thought that was great that he and I were were the guys that got to dunk during a game. But his was obviously much more impressive than mine because uh, mine was when no one was even playing defense. But uh, he you know he he was just a character like that, and uh, uh, and so uh, Essie was was a great again a great guy, great teammate, and I never saw him put anything stronger than an orange crush in his body. Uh, he uh, he really really was disciplined. Uh, for uh, to make sure he was could do be the best he could. So how about Greg Sanders? Greg Sanders. Greg came on the scene. Uh, uh, I was uh, he wasn't quite ready yet. I was starting, and then we played UCLA in the Maryland Christmas tournament, and coach decided to start Greg instead of me, and that was fine, I guess, because uh, you know obviously Greg ended up leading score in the school's history, but. Uh, the, the other thing was we were we were struggling a little bit. We were like two and three or something like that, uh, three and four. And uh, uh, Greg uh, came in. He was not intimidated at all by UCLA. He he uh, he played his heart out. And uh, Greg was uh, uh, a lot of lefties are a little bit unorthodox. They're hard to guard. And Greg was just like that. He he would uh, his his positioning and shooting the ball was a little different. And, and so he was very difficult to guard. Uh, he could shoot off balance shots. He could shoot on the move. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, obviously that's, and he had a nice, a, a very nice perimeter jump shot. Let's, let's face it. And, uh, uh, you know, so, uh, Greg, uh, uh, Greg was pretty much automatic when it came to, to scoring and, uh, you know, he, he he played very hard as well, and uh, you know this this just it's just uh, you know hard to dispute how great he was because of his uh, uh, how proficient he was at scoring. So. I couldn't believe when when I was a senior, 
Tom. I did a thesis. My thesis was on the history of the Riley Center. And I talked to Mike Riley's widow at the time and um, just, you know, diving into the archives, every, anything and everything you could find in the, in the library and, and elsewhere. And I, the more I read about Greg Sanders, the more I became amazed and almost to the thinking that, boy, he's almost kind of like the Stan Musial or the Frank Robinson of Bonaventure basketball. Is it possible to be, you know, in the Hall of Fame, for example, or to have your number retired or, uh, or both or whatever the case may be in sports and actually be considered underrated? But I feel that way about Greg Sanders. Well, yeah, it was interesting because I think he got drafted, if I'm remembering right, fifth round by the Knicks or something. And, uh, yeah, uh, just uh, right underrated uh, for his, um, as far as his, his basketball future was concerned, uh, unlike uh, Essie and, and Glenn Hagen, who drafted both drafts in the second round. Uh, the, uh, so, I, I, you know, of course, he was MVP uh, the NITs and uh, uh, interestingly, I played in a tournament when I was in high school with another MV- NIT MVP named Mike Sojourner, in I- who was the MVP from in nineteen seventy four. So I'm like this trivia question no one likes to ask. Uh, anyway, but but yeah, Greg. Going back to Greg, he uh, um, he uh, you know he, he was a decent defender, could handle the ball well. Uh, and uh, had uh, uh, a lot of times would shoot shots when you didn't expect them to shoot. You know, it, it, a lot of guys get their feet on them. They get set. You know, they they uh, have a certain way they're striding to the basket. That's pretty standard with basketball. But Greg could be kind of in the middle of of, uh, of looking like he was looking to pass. It's only boom, up up goes a shot and it would drop. So uh, uh, he. Uh, he found a way to get it in the hole, and I, I again, I really don't know. Uh, he's certainly revered in Bonaventure lore, but, but when it comes to outside of that, I really, you know, and, and NBA prospects, I really don't know, you know, what happened there for him. So. Yeah, and there were there were a bunch of rounds back then in the NBA draft, and you're right, right. it was the Knicks. I think right. eight, it went up to ten. I think. Yeah, right. He was in the eighth round, so you were you were right there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the numbers are insane and, and to this day, he's still the, the school record holder, right. For, for points. Right. I mean, yeah. goodness gracious, you know, he's got over 600 rebounds, 2,200 plus career points, won the NIT championship in 77 and he's a school's all time leading scorer. And yet there is that feeling that, you know, maybe nationally or in basketball circles, like, Hey, this guy was actually underrated. Um, Jim, Jim Barron's impact on Bonaventure basketball is what, where's his strongest impact? Do you think player coach? Where do you think it is? Boy, that's that's hard to say. You know, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, the uh, when he took over as the point guard, uh, he was he was not flashy. You know, when it came to handling a ball, he was just extremely solid. He had a lot of knowledge of the game. Uh, he was my road trip roommate when we were when I was a junior and a senior. So we got to, I got to know Jim very well, and uh, he. Um, um, he he just he just knew when he came down the floor he was in charge. You know when he came down the floor with the ball he was in charge. He made sure everybody was was where they were supposed to be. Uh, he was very solid with with uh, make sure the ball went where it was supposed to go, uh, and and all those kinds of things. And uh, he had a he had a decent jump shot. He could score when he needed to, but he was an extreme a team leader. Of course, as a coach. 
Uh, and I remember, you know, him telling me when we were in school together, he was keeping a note cards on different things about basketball. He says, I want to be a basketball coach. It was kind of funny because I said, geez, that's funny. I don't even know what I want to do. Uh, but he, he, uh, he wanted to be a basketball coach. But as a coach, he pulled us out of the doldrums, let's face it. You know, we had that period of time where uh, we were not performing to Bonaventure standards. And uh, he pulled us out of this, got us back into national uh, uh, acclaim. And, uh, um, you know, I, I kind of wish he would have stayed. Uh, at Bonaventure instead of going to Rhode Island, but uh, that was a decision he had to make, uh, uh, and that was he felt was best for him at the time. Uh, but uh, yeah, he he his contributions were on both ends, and uh, uh, that can't be underrated at all. And so, uh, uh, sure, this and uh, you know since he was a coach on the floor, it was just only natural that he'd be an, an excellent coach. Uh, you know, later on in life. Yeah, that was my time, you know, when Jim was head coach there. I was there from 1998 to 2002 and saw that unbelievable 99-2000 team with Tim mm-hmm. Wynn and Caswell Cyrus and David Messiah Capers and those free throws he made against Kentucky uh, in the in the NCAA tournament. I, I've said for a long time, if there's, you know, as a sports fan, if I could get one win, you know, one loss turned into a win um, after maybe the Norwood kick with the Bills and, uh, boy, right after that, though, I, I don't know. I might have to pick that game against Kentucky because, you know, you're, you're a yeah. student and you're living it. And, goodness, uh, to, to, to be a 12 and slay the 5, and I was 10 rows from center court, and I was with my dad, and it was it's still one of the great memories. I have the I have the season Bonaventure magazine hanging up behind me on the wall still, you know, here in, in the <laughs> yeah, man cave. Three free just, throws man. made after every timeout. Uh, Unbelievable. Who was that that made those again? David Messiah Cabers made them, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And you know what? And, uh, that game was also played in the Convocation Center in Cleveland. It was Cleveland State was hosting it. And it was it was it was a situation where it's not you know th- those days are over. You don't play those games anymore in the first and second rounds. Every single thing has to be in an arena with twenty thousand people minimum. Right, right. You know. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, uh, Joe um, is, is the assistant coach. Man, his name just popped out of my head. Uh, he's now the head coach at IUP. He was the assistant coach at for Barron at the time. Uh, he, uh, I coached him in high school, and uh, the uh, he, I was an assistant coach because he came from the same high school I did. Uh, so that was kind of interesting that uh, uh, that uh, his Jim's assistant was when well, he was with him at St. Francis too. And, and now my brain's gone dead because I'm 67 years old and I can't remember his last name. Uh, but uh, that uh, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, uh, there's a little bit of a connection there too uh, for me personally that way as well. I knew both both the coaches and uh, uh, it was uh, it was it was fun to see this the school rebound uh, to becoming uh, prominent in basketball again. So well, they've become and, prominent recently too. Um, a lot in common with Jim Barron is Mark Schmidt and you know pulling. I mean, we had no idea years ago where the heck this program was going to go. Uh, with right. the academic fraud and all that, there was talk of out of the A-10, would they even be in a conference? Would they be D-2? I mean, it, everything was on the table. It was that bad. And here we are, fast forward to 2022, and Bonaventure's been on the national map. I mean, they're playing on, on, on national TV. They're playing in huge tournaments. They've beaten Power 5 schools every year. They've made multiple NCAAs. Uh, they won the regular season and conference tournament in the same year, never been done before. 
Um, how glued to it are you now? How plugged into the program are you? Are you are you like the rest of us psychos where we're watching all the time and we're on these text threads and <laughs> I, uh, social media? I, I are you don't nuts even or what? I like to watch uh, <laughs> uh, the Power Five basketball. I like watching mid-major basketball. And whenever Bonaventure uh, is on TV, I make sure I either watch it or record it. Uh, I did manage to get to the Duquesne game because I, I live about an hour and a half from Pittsburgh. I managed to get to the Duquesne game this year with a few of my buddies. And, uh, uh, you know, so, I, you know, I try to I try to make it to a game every year or two, uh, either, you know, at the Riley Center or, or at Duquesne because it's close. Or, uh, you know, when, uh, uh, when the Atlantic 10 was played down in Pittsburgh, the PPG Arena went to that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I try to stay plugged in. Uh, I don't, uh, I don't insert myself into what's going on. I've never met coach Schmidt. You know, I used to know all the coaches there for a number of years, but, uh, I've just kind of, I'm an old guy. I just sit back and watch now. And, <laughs> but yeah. And, and I'm a little, uh, I'm a little concerned and unsettled about, uh, the, the, the transfer portal and, and what it's doing to college sports. And, and here we are, we're going to have a completely different roster next year. The unknown is um, interesting and unsettling at the same time, uh, and I just hope uh, uh, you know Mark Schmidt's going. It looks like his team's going to be taller than it has been in the past, and so uh, uh, he, he's he's been running a guard-oriented offense uh, for a number of years now. We'll you know where he's had some tremendous shooters. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see how we how we do you know so that's, uh, that's yeah, it's it's a wild world i mean it is it's a wild world now in college basketball between nil and transfer portal and everything it's just a completely different game um yeah. I, I wanted to just close on this how would you explain i mean you were a student you played you are an alum you have friends who are you know we're non-basketball players and friends that were basketball players and you know how our alumni base is you know how just passionate we are how crazy we get over the games and i've said it for a long time you know you have duke kentucky all these other powerhouses in in the in in the country and yet for bonaventure being a mid-major we treat our team the same exact way we i mean it it really is it's a pageantry of bonaventure basketball every single season and it's really now become you know round round the clock you know year round um how, how would you describe what many have called the bona cult well, you know, it's it's, it's interesting because I'll, I'll go back to when I was uh, uh, a freshman, and uh, the uh, Hurricane Agnes had roared through uh, in 1972 and destroyed our floor. Uh, so the uh, I don't know if you remember any of that uh, with the history of, Ry- of Riley Center, uh, but the uh, so there was no basketball court there; it was just concrete. They had to tear it up, and. Uh, so we were playing pickup games in outdoor courts uh, where the rec center is now, and uh, we also played some pickup games in, uh, in uh, you know, at, at Butler. But <laughs> I was amazed that we'd be playing pickup games, and there'd be several hundred people watching us play pickup games, and uh, and it, the the entire school revolved around basketball, and it was it was uh, um, in. in and the other nice thing was it was small. So you were, you were treated well because you're a basketball player, but on the other hand, you were one of the guys too. 
you know, and, uh, uh, that was, that was tremendous. And, uh, you know, when I was a sophomore, I didn't play very much. I played in about half the games and from a basketball standpoint, I said, Oh man, I, I don't know, maybe I should transfer. Will I ever get a chance to play? And then I said, wait a minute, what, what don't you like about St. Bonaventure? And I said, nothing, you know, and I, I, I mean, I, there's nothing I don't like. I like everything about St. Bonaventure. And, uh, so I decided to work harder and I did and, and I started to play. And so, uh, I'm glad I did. And, 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 and now the, and my wife has trouble understanding this because she did not attend St. Bonaventure is, is that, that thing that, uh, Mark Schmidt says about Bonaventure people, you know, it's they, uh, if they see each other, ready to tackle each other and say, Hey, you know, we're, we're, you're buddies with somebody instantly because they're a Bonaventure alum. And, uh, uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's a community and, uh, it's not just a school. It's a community. And that, uh, that community is, extends from older alums like me and, uh, all the way to the kids who are in school now. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's a great thing. It's just, it's the great thing. And that's the, the legacy of the school and the legacy of the basketball program. And I hope it uh, stays that way for a very, very long time. Yeah. It's a special place, no doubt. And a big part of the history of the basketball program, Tom Harrison, thank you so much for jumping on and uh, reminiscing a little bit and talking about the modern Bonnies. And uh, hopefully we can do this again down the line and I can see you at a game. All right. All right, great. Thanks for talking to me. You know, we non-stars, we we appreciate the attention once in a while. (laughs) Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube. You know, when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.